Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, Stephen Ferris, an Australian radio show host, announcer, programmer, DJ, performer, interviewer and musician. He's the eldest brother of the famous Ferris Brothers and a leader in the Australian music scene in the 1980s. He's worked with the likes of George Michael and David Bowie in front of his own band, Flotsam Jetsam. Away from music, he's a mad St George Dragons man and a rugby league tragic. And Andrew Gordon, an Australian businessman, media owner and radio executive. As part of the Gordon family media empire, he is the owner of the Wind Corporation and a 50% owner in the mighty St George Dragons. Away from business, he's passionate about music and has started his own music label called Personal Best. Let's get started. And welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Stephen Ferris, an Australian radio show host, announcer, programmer, DJ, performer, interviewer, and musician. He's the eldest brother of the famous Ferris Brothers. Welcome to the show. <laughs> and not to be confused with the Ferris Brothers, the Ferris Brothers. I know, I know, mate. I'm <laughs> um, Andrew Gordon, an Australian businessman, media owner, uh, and radio executive. Welcome, Gordo. Thanks, Shadow. Good to be here. Mate, mate, thanks for coming, boys. Now, I'm going to start with you, Stephen, because looking at your bio, it's amazing. Right, and some of the people you've done your DJing work for, the Packers, the Murdochs, and on there you've got Shane and Lorraine Lee. On that <laughs> same list, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Look, was that the pinnacle? I, I, I'm a yes guy. You know, someone <laughs> says, do you want to do something? I always say yes. But, um, and, you know, I'm good at it. I really, yeah. I really know how to basically press people's buttons to have, give them the time of their life. So I'm not ashamed to play whatever is required to make it happen, you know, and well, many mate, DJs won't do that. Well, you were very good at my wedding, that's for sure, mate. That's and it's great. good to catch up. And, and Gordo, mate, we'll start with your music, mate. It's a Sunday afternoon. What sort of music are you putting on? Oh, that's, a, that's quite a difficult um, question for a music <laughs> fan. I mean, I mean, again, it depends on the atmosphere. I mean, I, I, mean, I used to DJ quite a bit as, as a, yep. in my youth. Um, I mean, into almost my 40s, really. I mean, there's <laughs> a bit of a resurgence into DJing. But, yeah, it's just, I'll just look at who's in the room. If, if it's just myself, I mean, I might just put on some new album I've come across on Spotify, um, which could be... Any number of things. It's probably a little more chilled out, if anything. It's not going to be well, too, yeah. too thumping. We're all getting older. <laughs> <laughs> the sort of guy that when I've DJed with him in the room, he comes over and goes, I remember that album and I remember that track. And he's really quite, you know, a train spotter, you know, a deep knowledge of music. Well, he does. But, but that's the beautiful thing about music, right? It takes you back to a, a certain point in time or, or a specific memory you've got. And yeah, absolutely, yeah. Now, yeah. I remember um, I was just the other day, uh, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band came on the radio and it took me back. I was with Brad McNamara and Martin Haywood, two New South Wales yeah, cricketers, yeah. and we were in a white convertible driving up to the Grand Canyon. There it is. There it is, man. That's the beautiful thing about music. And often you don't have any control over that particular track, which you, you might go, well, I don't really rate it, but because it had an impact on your life at a point in time, yeah. I remember going to parties in the Northern Beaches and Richard Clapton, Deep Water will be playing, and I always associate it with Whale Beach or Palm Beach. You know, oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Did Richard Clapton know he was there? Or <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Stephen, the introduction I mentioned all all the different talents that you have, mate. There, there are many, but. What do you consider yourself as, a, a presenter, a DJ, a, a musician? What's first and foremost? I, I Look, it's a stupid word, but, but curation is a word which just says you put things together, you know. And I think that in any field that I've worked in, I've, I've done little record label deals and uh, been on radio for Triple J and FBI and Rhythm FM and Bondi FM and Kiss FM and yada, yada, yada. You're still choosing tunes to sort of set a scene. 
Uh, and if my, I've just finished seven years at Vivid as a curator there, you're still putting things together to set a scene. Now, it might be live music, it might be with visuals, it may be just a radio show, so I still do my radio show. Um, I, I'm, just, I'm just a music guy, you know, I love, I love music in any scenario, and I've always followed my nose. So I remember telling my parents I was going bushwalking and staying out overnight a couple of nights, and I snuck out and I hitchhiked to Sunbury in Melbourne. I had like $14 <laughs> in my pocket. I remember being dumped, dumped on the Hume Highway, you know, for three in the morning to go and see Akadaka and Queen or whatever, you know. It's like I was, I, I think about it now, I think, what did I do that for, you know? Bushwalking. I thought it was going to be a Brokeback Mountain sort of scene. <laughs> I told my parents years later I did it, you know, much to their horror. Now, Gordo, we're talking about radio. You gave me my first ever job yes, in yes. radio at 998 FM in Wollongong. Yeah, that's Those right. Were the days, yeah, I, rem- I remember you and your brother coming in to, to talk to me in the, in the management about it. <laughs> but um, so the business in your family, it's, it's a huge business right across different media assets. What, what, what do you, which medium do you find the most appealing personally? Well, I mean, I mean I've, I've been passionate about television for a long time, but before yep. that, and probably leading into all my music interests, of course, uh, I-98, um, when I went into there, in there uh, as a, you know, in my early 20s, and very quickly yeah. found myself in management, and all of a sudden running the station, and suddenly finding myself getting really involved, that became a, a really strong passion of mine for a while. And was that, as, as a young kid, you get thrown into, and like, uh, it must have been intimidating, like, you, oh, you, your old man's running around a big business, and he yeah, throws you in, and you, and you got, did you feel pressure? He must have. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I sort of was eased into it a bit in terms of, like, you know, but at the same time, a little bit awkwardly, I'll go and, go and work in the news department, sort of, you know, badgering around the back and sort of, you know, learning how to edit and things and getting thrown into the, what we used to have in the old videotape days, yes. <laughs> massive videotape machines and this sort of stuff, learning all about that. Um, and then, you know, as soon as the opportunity <laughs> presented itself to go into radio, I jumped at it. Fantastic. Now, Stephen, um, Ferris Brothers, right? Yeah. Do you boys started in San Francisco? No. Well, yes. Uh, long story cut short is that I did not follow my father, who was a chartered accountant, come board director, businessman. Right. Uh, wanted to get the arts done a while, and I was the eldest. Yep. So I started thinking I might be in a band. I wasn't really sure what to do. Um, I was taking entry into the Australian Film and Television School and I knocked it back for some stupid reason. Right. My parents then moved to San Francisco, and my dad was on sort of business recce. Uh, and I went over there. We all sort of stopped in at some point. I went over there and I thought to myself, you know what? Music is the constant. That's the thing that I wasn't sure they go into film or, or some sort of visual medium. Um, and then I went, right, I'm going to start a band. Came back to Sydney, started a band. And in between that... Uh, we've, all, we've all done that, mate. We've all done that, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the brothers started just doing it by default. You know, like my brother John started a band. You know, my brother Nick was a bass player. He joined my... Well, not my band. I was just the, the starting point. Uh, it was our band. And you were out front. I was out front. Yep. Not a great singer, not a great keyboard player, pretty average sax player. But, you know, we got yeah. by, we got a record deal, did all the, you know. That's fantastic. I mean, I've got great stories of touring with Simply Red, Aha, Queen, New Order. You toured with Queen? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, like, okay, let, let's, let's start there. What was that like? Four nights with Queen, right? Wow. And um, we weren't given the full staging. They were doing the Metropolis, the film, the old sort of um, German expressionist film setting, you know. Um, we were given a very small part of the stage and we had to sort of juice it up a little bit. So I remember bringing out mirror balls on stage just to get a bit of light going and carrying a mirror ball. Um, but all the band would come every day and do a sound check and we'd chat with all of them except Freddie. Freddie wouldn't turn up. Freddie never right. turned up. And then at showtime, they'd all have one minder each who would put a cape over their shoulder and usher them on, but Freddie wouldn't go on with the band. He'd wait and go on, on his own. So there's this real separation thing sure. going. And we never got to speak to Freddie. We got to speak to all the rest of them. Final night... And what struck me most of all was that Freddie's was meticulously repetitive. Every single night he said the same thing, did the same thing. So it was all clockwork to him. Oh, wow. Which is sort of weird to 
watch a big band who know how to sing and play, not improvise at all. No improv, no improv at all. So, see, I had no idea because I, yeah. I, I was going to ask you, did, I thought he's, well, I still do, I see the greatest front man of all time, but now I hear that, I'm not so sure. It's, it was like a musical, you know. Yeah. Anyway, at the end of the show, they had a big party for the media and everybody, and we were all invited, no Freddie. And there was this curtain uh, in this room, and we started hearing screaming and yelling, and it was Freddie throwing a tantrum about something we don't know. So it was a pretty sort of fraught time, but um, we had a good time. Big time. And, and Gordon, I want to talk about, I want to talk to you both about the St. George Dragons, right? I'm a massive Dragons man. I remember going out to Wynn Stadium, um, uh, named by your family. And, you know, it was, it was uh, Schiffinelli, Pinchinelli, you know, Riolo, yeah. the Spaghetti <laughs> Brothers, you know, Richard Dry. Yeah, Ravi 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 Ravi. <laughs> um, Mate, were you, were you a Dragons man before? The investment, or you? Well, actually, I, I do recall when I um, I came back from the states, probably a lot like Stephen. Um, oh, in nineteen eighty-five, I believe, or eighty-six. Oh, yeah, actually, uh, eighty-six. Actually, because I was about fifteen, thirty, or oh, sixteen, so that age. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and watching Friday night football, um, and I found myself gravitating towards the Dragons quite a bit. At that stage, I was living in Sydney. I was living in Darling Point. Okay. I was living in the, yeah, okay. gotcha. in, dare I say, territory. Roosters territory. Yes, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, suddenly I found myself Big sort time. of gravitating on, on, you know, on television watching them. So I'd come back to Australia. I didn't really know a lot about rugby league at the time. So, but, I, but I gravitated towards it much more than NFL in America or baseball or even basketball. So, so, uh, it, so when they started, sorry, in the, in yeah. the 80s, you weren't down in Wollongong? No, no, no. no. I, I, oh. I visited probably yeah. fleetingly. We, we, you know, we, we had a unit in Wollongong. We'd come down and go to the beach at Christmas time. Oh, that changes, you know, because I yeah. imagine you just grew up with them starting up, excited. No, that, was, yeah. that was, it was sort of the other way around. I sort yeah. of, you know, uh, when I came to back, uh, be based in uh, Wollongong to, uh, to work for Wynn, uh, yeah, then I was immersed in the Steelers culture and got to meet a lot of them and, yeah, yeah. you know, just through the natural exposure through, through TV and, and radio to, uh, to the team, so... Yeah, they've been a great. I remember sitting the on the hill, hill well, standing yeah, on the yeah. hill many times, you know, with, with a cold beer in your hand and watching him go around. But um, how, how did you get involved with loving the dragons, Stephen? Well, I went to a school. We played rugby union. We were one of those sort of, dare I say, sort of Irish Catholic Christian brother schools that pretended to be a GPS school but wasn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we played rugby union. But but I, I knew that league was the, the only game in town. The, the footy cards, you know, the bubblegum cards were collectible. And uh, my dad took me to a couple of generic games during the year at the cricket ground because they had the game of the round at the cricket ground on a Saturday um, and then he took me and my brother and a mate to the grand final which is the infamous 65 yes showing my age here yes <laughs> <laughs> I, was eight, I was eight years old and I remember being absolutely shocked and stunned that as he walked into the hill it was wall to wall men in suits and hats you know you can imagine the day yeah. when nobody wore a jersey no. so I didn't know what team to follow my dad was a Newtown Blueback supporter Jets, then yeah. Jets before Jets but he, um, he never said to me, you've got to follow them, and it was St. George and South. So he was dragging us through the crowd. It felt like a forest because it was so dark and I was small. And he kept saying, children, children, you know, coming through. And, when he, met, and he must have been panicking because there was nowhere to go. Dragged us all through the hill, up onto the toilet block before the next stadium, which was, might have been the Sheridan, I can't remember now. And I remember the smell of urine sitting above the toilet block because there was 79,000 and whatever, 34 people at last count. There was more than that. And the place only held really... If you're lucky, it's 50 or 60, I'm sure. And I remember the, the thrill of all that sort of energy, you know, swearing and bottles being thrown and fights and the bloodlust. You know? like, to me, it was like the Coliseum, you know. And I was like protected from that sort of stuff. I think, wow, I want to get onto this. And out came the big white with the big red V. And I thought, that's me. You know? That's I cool. <laughs> but I, I uh, only ever played one game of rugby league for Oak Flats High School because um, it was a very 
you know, the steel works in Wollongong. It was, it was a very, um, a lot of Yugoslavs at school and that. And, um, so soccer was more of our sport. But I remember playing one game against Dapto and they had, I think, um, John Simons, who played a few uh, State of Origin matches at number seven for the, yeah, yeah, for yeah. the Steelers. And then that Dragons. would be menacing. Oh, mate, that, mate they, were, they were beating us 50 nil at halftime. <laughs> and you're talking about smelling urine. I'll tell you what, I smelled something else that wasn't urine. And, and that's basically because I was at fullback. I was shooting myself. <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might just take a little break now. And we're sitting here in Hemisphere at Sushi E, which is uh, part of the Maryvale group. And this is one of the greatest sushi places you will ever eat at, particularly in Sydney. Mate, there's so many things we're going to have here. The pink snapper with white soy, with a bit of sesame. Oh, the Balmain Bug lettuce cup. Yes, please. A bit of Wagyu beef tartare. And we'll have a nice little, uh, probably reasoning with that. And, uh, of course, an O'Brien beer. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Now, there's nothing like a healthy head of hair. Shane, when I first met you, those blonde flowing locks, well, they had a life of their own. Yes, Timmy. As they say, look after your hair and everything else will take care of itself. Now, I've got something for you too, Timmy, even with that silver fox look. It's called Main Hair Care. Oh, Main Hair Care. I know it. I absolutely love it. Yes, mate. Specialised men's hair care, targeting scalp conditions to stimulate scalp and over time improve growth. Oh, it's a fantastic product. It really is. I also note that it's all Australian, fully organic ingredients, Shane. Yep. Not only will you look good, but the scent is just wonderful. Main Hair Care. I'm going to get it on today. And that's spelled M-A-N-E, mainhaircare.com. That, that, God, I'm really, really interested because I've got three kids now and um, I'm really interested to get your take on this because um, I sort of allude to the fact that you, like, you're working with, with your old man in the industry and there's a lot of pressure there. My son Thomas is, is showing some good signs of being a decent sportsman and I really noticed the other day he's just started cricket and he, he's a bit embarrassed, or not embarrassed, he's a bit scared to do it because he, he, even though he's six, he knows that I played cricket. Well, what, what advice would you give me like, uh, from a son to a dad? Like, how to, how to not be too hard on him, but also encourage him, but let him do his own thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you've, just, you've really got to nurture him, but especially if, if, if he has a bit of a, a shadow hanging yeah. over, over him for, from you and your brother. Yeah. Um, it's got to be, yeah, it's, it's got to be definitely quite um, uh, intimidating yeah. to, you know, to, be, to be coming into, into sport, uh, in the same sport. Um, yeah, I guess you've just got to, yeah, you've got to try and nurture him, support him, uh, you know, and not push too hard. Um, yeah. And he'll find his own level um, and his natural talent should shine through. Yeah, I think so. Man. And, and Are you sure he's intimidated? I mean, him. Well, no, no, no. no. He, he, he said, he goes, I, I, I don't want to bowl. And I've been bowling with him in the nets and in the garage. And he's really good. But, but he's really into his soccer now, which is great. That was sort of my first passion at school. Um, and then I sort of found cricket. But, yeah, I, 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 want, I want to be firm on him. But I don't want to be too hard, right? But, 
you know, there's, there's, there's a real balance there because my old man never played cricket, so there was no pressure there. But he was always like, if you've got an opportunity to put your foot on someone's throat to, to win the battle, you do it, right? Um, never give a suck and even break. Um, <laughs> train really, really hard. Do more than everyone else, right? And that's sort of, I want to encourage those sort of traits as well. But every child yeah. will find their place, won't they? Yeah, They'll find their so. strength. Yeah. Yeah. I, as a kid, my, my dad was a cricketer. He taught me how to bowl, etc. My great-great-grandfather was J.J. Ferris, who was a test cricketer. Wow. And my grandmother used to live on Concord West Road. And, and for a time when Bradman was playing locally and representing, I think, St. George, the area? Yeah. I think. He used to live two doors up, and they used to go, G'day, Don, good luck, Don, because he'd go and get the story. cricket ground. Yeah. My first game, I broke my finger. I wasn't wearing gloves with a ball, and I thought, that's it. I'm up. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it. didn't do any more. So how many tests did your grandfather play? He played, I think, for Australia and England and even maybe South Africa. I'd have to look up the stats again. Jesus. He jumped ship. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He's on the, if you go to the cricket ground, the members, he's got, one of the, he's got the first plaque on the wall oh. up top. And near, near Peter Garrett's great-great-grandfather who played in the same team, I think, at one point. There you go. Yeah. Hmm. See, cricketers, musicians, it's, 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 it all happens. Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure, mate. We all experienced the 2010 grand final. I want to know your emotional reaction to that day. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, I remember Gaznia came back from overseas and it was um, they, they brought him back and it was a, a big thing for them to do. It, it, it was a really emotional feeling now because I, I sort of always associate myself as an Illawarra Steeler and then sort of merge into the Dragons and there were some tough years there let, let's, let's, let's not get that yeah. wrong but, no, um, no. but yeah it was a lot of pride leading up to that um, uh, a mate of mine Corey Pearson who I played career with yeah. he was a front rower for the Dragons yeah. for many yeah. years and, mm-hmm. um, and he missed the grand final well, way back, I think it was 2000. Did he have a nickname? Slug. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Slug Pearson. Well, there's some, there's some trumpeter on the, on the hill there at Cogra. Yeah. And Corey, as a front row, would start on the dead ball line. They'd kick the ball off. The fullback would catch it for the Dragons. Give it a and slide. the trumpet would go, charge! And Corey would run up the field and like, pop it. The job that nobody wants. No one wants, yeah. And just like full-on headbutt someone and fall over. But how did you feel? Well, and my son was five at the time. And I remember I went to the Tigers game the week before, sitting next to Barry O'Farrell and his family, watching their faces fall to death white, you know, as Benji Marshall kicked the ball out of the touch. I'm thinking, you we got this one, you know. And I knew there and then that we were going to beat the Chooks. The Chooks weren't really – they weren't the one I was afraid of that year. Yeah. I think Parra were more fearful. Yep. I thought, we we got them, you know. They went down to the Opera House with my son to see them meet the teams, you know. And I'm Fantastic. thinking, this is incredible. It's brewing. I was so much wanting to be with my friends that we, we, we had a warehouse my brother was sort of living above. About 80 of us turned up to that. So I didn't go to the game. But I do regret not going to the ground afterwards to join in the celebration. But I was, I was too stonker at that point. So. And got over yourself? Where did you feel? Yeah, oh, it, was, it was amazing. I mean, I, I was part of um, the board at that stage back then. And, uh, you know, uh, and very, very vocal in, in us getting Wayne uh, and heavily involved there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was felt a lot of pressure in terms of going, God, I hope we do this. Um, but the elation of when it, when it happened, it was when just Wayne incredible. When Wayne walked down in the crowd? That was yeah. the moment. Remember yeah. that moment? Yeah, you know? yeah, indeed, yeah. yes. And going down to the, the, the dressing rooms afterwards um, there with uh, the Prime Minister John Howard at the time, uh, you know, talking to John and just everyone's just so excited and you know, putting your hand and on the And the young's crying the trophy. and hugging. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was amazing. Dean, it was amazing. Because yeah. 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 Johnny's a mad Dragons man too, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah he's the number one ticket holder. He used to yeah. cop it though at Cogra. So he should. Number one ticket holder. He'd come out there and go, <laughs> and I'm, I keep saying Brian Brown should take that mantle because he's a big Dragons fan. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. He is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've hosted him there. Yeah. And you've, you've actually worked 
Have you worked with him as well? I think I saw in the bio. I, I did. Sam Dillon, Brian Brown had a fiftieth and a sixtieth, and the fiftieth was where Barangaroo is now. And they hired yep. a big marquee, and it was A-list. Wow, seriously, so A-list that when I was taking some photos on my phone, you know, security came out and said, "Give it to me." Yeah. Delete, 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 delete. You know wow. that sort of that sort of mood. You know, we don't muck around. We're Hollywood here. You know. <laughs> Look at your bio, mate. You've, you've worked with like Fat Boy Slim, Boy George. I, I mentioned George Michael, David Bowie. Now, well, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> Who was the most Ma- intimidating you ever worked with? George Michael. They they at Jamison Street, which is just over the road. No, it's no longer there. Was a tram shed, beautiful Studio Fifty Four style place. Upstairs DJ booth, looking over a crowd, fourteen hundred people. Um, I would get very nervous because I was fresh to DJing in eighty three, eighty four. He just came out in one of those promo tours, I think. Oh mate, you know, we had an intercom. Uh, George Michael wants to DJ, so up he comes, you know, with a balance of women at that point, blonde women all following him. Jumps in the booth, can't mix, can't do anything. You know, just buggerizing the whole night <laughs> up, you know. But he, he said he was doing a great job, you know. That was fine, but. Bowie turned up one night and I got, hey, mate, Bowie's in the room, you know, and play some Bowie, which I didn't do. I just thought that was really naff to play the yeah, songs. Big of the, time. Yeah, Unless they really want to make a galah themselves. See, I, I find nothing worse than when I walk in a room and they put on six and out. It's just, just, <laughs> <laughs> it just breaks you, doesn't it? You know? <laughs> I'm praying they do, mate. <laughs> just hold it there as we're going to take a quick break. If you're enjoying this episode, why don't you check out a previous one where I spoke to businessman Dick Smith and Brad Timmons where we spoke everything from business right through to esports. Talk about your your music label, Personal Best, and how did that come about? I know you love your music, but... Yeah, oh, look, that was um, something that just came about through a mutual friend of Stephen uh, and mine, um, Josh Beagley, um, yeah. who I Good met man, through a bloke, another bloke, uh, and we, we hit it off instantly, and um, we pretty quickly started talking about the idea of, uh, in this day and age, or at least in the last you know, decade or so, um, it's become a lot easier to form a record label. You, okay. you're, you're almost a lot of ways virtual in what you do. You, you don't have to have Sony, you know, BMG publishing and all that yep. sort of stuff behind you. You can do that separately. You can, you can outsource you know, your publishing and all that. Or you can nowadays it's almost become cheap enough to do publishing. But yeah, we got together. We thought, you know what, we've got very similar music tastes. Um, and you know, again, my bit of background there, years in radio. I felt pretty, and also probably again some of my my experiences growing up in America, and that was where my music passion started. At you know listening to New York radio, living outside New York, and just taking in a lot of amazing different sorts of music, watching tons of MTV. I was just one of those kids that yeah loves it. I didn't I didn't run around necessarily, you know, playing in the in the yard. I, I sat there and watched MTV like a bit okay. of a nerd. But, yeah, that's fine. But um, but yeah, so that 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 sort of formed some ideas for me on on uh, on getting together with uh, with Josh and saying, look, you know. For a little bit of funding, let's let's have a go at this. So um, yeah, we, we we kicked off and we're still going. Some and probably you, eight years later. Are you, are you championing artists or what? What are you doing there? Uh, well, we we we, are, we do we do put together um, existing artists into collaborations. I mean, we're we're doing Fantastic. some um, some yacht rock sort of stuff right now that um, which involving quite a few different artists. Um, okay, cool. So, uh, but we've, we've we've broken a few you know artists and given them a bit of a hand on the way through. Um, you know, you're, you're always waiting for that that big yeah, break to come through. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a lot of work. But I mean, but you got to keep keep at it. So you keep discovering people. Like we started a uh, a, a hip hop label as a sub label. Found some some unique sort of young people. For that, so again, that's sort of fledgling, but you know, again, it's it's, it's well, mate, good if, to, if you ever need anyone to, to spit some rhymes, just let me know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what's up? Listen, <laughs> Joshua was saying that there's some staggering figure released every week on just Spotify alone. Oh yeah, like yeah new releases that you can compete with. Incredible. I mean, the, the world now, in terms of, of music output, it's just frightening to try and keep up with. So, so you're playing in a, an incredibly enormous, you know, galactic pool of, uh, yeah, of music, which yeah, is yeah, what yeah. it seems. Yeah. 
Did you watch the Arrows at all last night? I was going to ask you, know, you that I, question. I didn't. You didn't I didn't. Know. I saw that post by you today. It reminded me. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. And who, who are these middle kids that won it? Like, they beat oh, ACDC. Look, I had a little, wins, little cranky old man wins, you know, in the best rock, rock category, you know, ACDC, Midnight Oil. And I have seen, you know, we've all seen Midnight Oil. And yeah. the last time I saw them, they were just, they were an awesome, mighty machine. Yeah. You know, they're so spot on. And you can't argue. And Akadaka, hello. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the middle kids, <laughs> they're, they're indie alt rock. They're not, they shouldn't be in the same league. They're not yes. in the same league. And they won. And I thought, what's going on here? Come on. So, why, so why is that? Is that because who they... knows? Behind the scenes, there's a voting system which I have no knowledge of exactly how it works. Okay. I'm sure there's a lot of manipulations, machinations going on as okay. to how somebody gets through. You know, a lot of you know direction was put to Dennis Hanlon and mm-hmm. the likes of you know Gadinsky and the power brokers. They've gone. Who knows who's sort of ruling the roost now? But I just thought that was like, and there's always going to be people saying, why did that get it? And why didn't that get it? Um, you talk about. Power, right? Um, and we'll get back to you mentioned TV before, Gordo. That, that sort of something you sort of originally fell in love with. Sp- to me, now sports the only real thing that's driving television. It's, it's the only yep. real valuable asset. Is, is that your take on I, it? I, yeah, I, I very much. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my point of view on it right now. It, it's it is the, the engine room still of, of television. I mean, yeah. you know, unfortunately, you know, things like making news just not cutting it anymore. That's it's too expensive a process, and and the demographics are just so different now. I mean, you've got to. You know, I mean, sure, I still watch it because you know, but I'm you know, I'm over fifty now, so yeah. it's, it's, I'm I'm falling into the into the older demographic <laughs> that watches news, like because that's that's what that's the reality. Yeah. You know, everyone else is, is has got their phone, uh, or they consume news when they want to on their 100%. phone. They, they've got they've got nine now. They can look up, you know, bang and look up a story. They can watch yeah. the ABC on their phone. You know, they, they can consume news any way they want now. So yeah. the idea of the traditional fixed time, you know, sitting down to appointment viewing doesn't happen. It just doesn't it doesn't happen. No. Whereas sport. Sport is sport, yep. so you that's, have to watch that's a saving saving grace. Yeah. I, just, I just hope the the Facebook generation and yeah you know, TikTok kids don't don't um, ruin sport in a way because of their <laughs> their, their lack of uh, you know, their inability to focus. I mean, they, they their attention span. I mean, scarily rem- does remind me of why, how I lost focus with with a lot of you know sports like the NFL in America. Yeah, it's yeah. just too too complicated, too boring. I could you know I'd like the idea of supporting a team, but I try and watch it. It's almost like this is now the, the modern sort of trend of young kids now on their phones and things and they, you try to sit them down to watch your uh, game of rugby league even though I find it's one of the most electrifying gladiatorial games on the planet that it's very easy to watch because it doesn't doesn't stop down much whereas you know it, I, I think we'll struggle going forward holding holding uh, you know this new generation's attention well and well said and but I think the thing in favour of that continuing hopefully with sport is that um, you've got these new players like your Amazons and your and your stands and your Netflixes and that and these streaming services that are if you look at the NFL rights deal, it's a hundred billion dollar deal. That's for, for, for to, yeah. to get yeah, yeah. what's yeah. it? What and four, even fourteen it, weeks of, of yeah, content? It's, it's it's incredible. Even yeah. though there's KO, and you you know we often have to watch it later. You still want to watch sport as it's happening. Yeah, oh, yeah. you know even yeah. though there's that yeah. packaging deal, hundred percent, you're already part yeah. of it while, while it's generating it's, action. It's definitely best consumed I mean, live. Yeah, the, the the Australians in the T20 recently, the World Cup. You know that last four overs. Of the game that got them into the final, I remember watching later because I didn't want to know the score. And even then, it was it was still exciting. It's nice, yeah. yeah. What, what were you, what are your recent thoughts on uh, Tim Payne, WikiLeaks? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should have been dealt with. Yep. Four years ago. Is yep. That, that how long? That's twenty seventeen. Was it? Twenty seventeen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Should have yeah. been dealt with. Yeah. There. It's, it's a minor aberration as far as I'm concerned. Yep. But having said that, and you've been there. Once you're in the Australian Test cricket team, you're exalted. And you're held to, yep. you earn more money, you've got more status, you've got more wham in the industry and in the, in the in society. So, therefore, if you're the captain, 
it's worth a lot of money. It's worth a lot of status. Yeah, right? it wasn't captain then. It's almost double no. jeopardy, isn't yeah, it? Really? Of course. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's, it's not great administration at the end of the day. It's I mean, been poor like, for yeah. Australia. I'm not going to say the NRL's perfect or anything no. in their administration, but you know that's pretty poor no. for it to have it resurface and then turn into what it did in the end and then and and basically take him down. So well, the, well, the NRL they get three dick pics a week, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> that's a they deal with it. They deal with it. They deal with it and they move on. That's short attention span stuff, isn't it? Now I ask. Everyone that comes on the show, the same question. I'll ask you first, um, Stephen. Yep. Um, uh, a young boy or girl's coming through yep. and they want to go into this entertainment, this music, yep. DJing industry. What advice would you give them? Uh, look, I, I'm, I'm, I swim against the stream. I think you should be skilled. I think you've got to learn your trade. I really do. I just think that um, I love, for example, I could quote, Ste- I could listen to Steely Dan any day of the week and it still shits on everything that I hear now. Sorry, I'm sorry, you know. Um, and I just think the digitalization of the world is very nice, but if you're going to sit at a computer or, or a box that you can put all your chords in and just hit, hit buttons on a chord, it looks creative. It's not that creative. Yeah, okay. You, you need to work harder. Yeah. That's what I reckon. And, and your trade and, yeah. and, and really graft it. And, yeah, and, and I can say that for somebody who didn't, who, who got a, a lucky break earlier in a band when I wasn't quite good enough, and I really regret that now. Yeah. You know? And Gordo, a young boy or girl that wants to go into the media game, what advice would you give them? Yeah, um, well, yeah, again, you're just starting at the the ground floor in, in, in media, like, you know, and sucking it up. I mean, it's, you yeah, know, it's one of those well things, you, know, it's, it's, you don't just jump in and, oh, I want to, uh, you know, I want to report for, uh, you know, for, for new content on Nine and, you know, or I want to jump in and run something in, uh, in the streaming business to stand. Um, you know, it's, you got to say, well, you know, where can I get a, get, a, get a Guernsey? What do I like? I mean, there's a lot of roles in media. You can be, you can be in sales, sure. you can be in product, content production. Um, but you've got to you've got to first find out you know the very basics of, of where you want to, where you're heading for like you know do you want to be involved do you want to be a journalist or what you, like, there's there's just so many different roles in in, in, in the in the word media in yeah. terms of like it's such a broad topic in terms of uh, and, and, and I, I like what you said at the start is that you when you started you 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 sort of. Um, went across all stuff you, you, in the newsroom yeah, across, yeah. You know, you got, I, and you've got to really understand yeah, but you've got to do the hard I need to have a broad view of the business sure. like, that's, yeah. otherwise you, you really don't have a grasp on it yeah so yeah well the good news is we have a very good broad view of lunch today we're, we're here at Hemisphere Sushi E and um, well, I want to thank you both for coming on the show our pleasure we've well, known you both for a long long time yeah. it's actually good to yeah. sit down and have a, a serious yeah. conversation for once <laughs> <laughs> if you want to call you didn't, it you didn't really do too much to it did you <laughs> no not at all but um, look I really appreciate your time and um, let's have an O'Brien beer now and, uh, and a nice feed. Thanks, That was fantastic, Thank Shadow. Thank you. Thank Cheers. you, Andrew. That's it for Lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Stephen Ferris and Andrew Gordon. Thanks to our sponsors, Main Hair Care and O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Do us a favour, hit five stars, and if you're passionate, leave a review. Our official Lunch with Lee photography was done by Felicity Kelly. You can find her on Instagram at Felicity Kelly Portraits. And a big thanks once again to Dan McHugh. We'll be back again next week with some more legends talking sport, music and business on another Cracker episode of Lunch with Lee. We'll see you then. Yeah.